The reading today is from 1 Peter 3, verses 13 through 17. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Good morning. So um, we're happy to have our visitors, as, as we've already stated. We really are um, feel blessed to have you in our midst. It's, it, it is great. I want to reiterate what Daniel said about having Lawson lead the singing. Singing's been great today, and it's just always great to have you know the one body, many members. We get new people with new talents, and uh, just blesses all of us. And uh, that's one of the I think really important things about assembling together is is we're all blessed and edified in ways that. Maybe we didn't even expect that week, and maybe you needed something that you didn't know you needed, and you come here and you leave refreshed. And so all, all that anybody does to, to uh, you know, help out with that, we really do appreciate. Don't take it for granted. Over the past few weeks, uh, we've been looking at um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, um, where Peter says that Christians are to be prepared to make a defense of the gospel. And um, that word defense comes from the Greek word apologia, where people say apologia in English. I remember saying apologia. I, I, I kind of did history of apologetic stuff in grad school, and I'd sit down, and the other nerds in the room would say, I'd say apologia, and they'd go apologia. I'm like, actually, I've had New Testament Greek, and it's uh, apologia, but it's, you know, whatever. No one knows that word anyway. Um, I, I'm not certainly an expert on anything, but... Um, the word, the important thing is what the word means in English. So your version may translate it defense, like m- many of them do, or answer, give an answer. If somebody asks you about your faith, the hope that's in you. Uh, the word plea is a good translation of it as well. A couple of translations bring out, uh, 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 the English translations bring out these different senses out. Be prepared to give an answer, the NIV says, or ready to explain, as the New Living Translation says. So that's that's what we're talking about, and that's the charge that Peter is giving the Christians that he uh, was writing to in various parts of Turkey in what he calls the exile um, um, of the dispersion or the diaspora, <clears throat> kind of alluding back to the way Jews had lived their lives. God's people in Old Testament times had lived their lives always surrounded by some pagan power that appeared to be running the world and calling the shots, and their gods were doing what their gods did. And uh, God's people had to live as exiles. And so Peter's kind of picking up that imagery and applying it to Christians. So I want to, before we, uh, what we're planning to do in subsequent weeks, we're going to stay kind of camped out on this verse and the, the, the themes that, that uh, it draws out over the next few weeks. And we're going to start, start talking about defenses proper in, in, in the sense of what are some of the things in our present society and culture, maybe some of these are age old, maybe there's some new developments, that are causing doubts, that are causing people to deconstruct their faith, or new criticisms that are being brought against Christianity. 
in the kind of narrative of, uh, of Christianity, the, the worldview, if you will, of, of Christianity, what are some of those particular defenses that we should be ready to, uh, to kind of generate or, or questions that we should be able to answer? That's where we're going to go. I wanted to pause today and kind of do a debrief, as the email primer suggested, and, and do this interactively to talk about what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. Some of us weren't here. We've got a lot of people gone for sickness and, and Bible camp and just you know, summer vacations, July 4th and, and the like. So what I want to do first is talk just briefly about where we've been. Um, you can go get these lessons online. I'm, I'm sure that they're, they're being posted online. Um, if you want to go back and, and you know, get a fuller idea of, the, of lesson one and two. But what I want to do uh, quickly, though, is just sort of overview what we've talked about and then raise a handful of questions for our time today about implications uh, for this charge that Peter gives us as Christians to be ready to defend or ready to give an answer to anyone who inquires about the gospel hope that we have within us as followers of Jesus. So um, what we talked about in our first lesson, kind of just some preliminary questions that grow out of the, the basic text of 1 Peter 3.15. Uh, some implications we might run right over as we move to this idea, I've got to be ready to defend. What does a defense look like? What are the dimensions of a, of a defense or an answer? There's some more basic stuff than that, without which it's not going to matter what you say. Um, and so that's what we try to do in the first lesson. Just take the text seriously. And it raised uh, three questions. First of all, do I know my story? Can I tell the Christian story if I don't really know it? And I'm not talking about cherry-picked for this or that doctrine, but the story, the meta-narrative, the overarching um, you know, kind of narrative between creation and new creation says, after all, we have to give a reason for hope that is in You go back to the opening paragraph of 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter, um, the very first thing he says is that we're people who are um, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an imperishable inheritance. That evokes all kinds of biblical language. That there's this inheritance, we're going to be heirs in fact, royal heirs, reigning heirs over a new heavens and new earth. Peter's going to bring that up big time in 2 Peter 3. And he says that that's our hope. It was inaugurated in the resurrection of Jesus. New creation's already started. It kind of been inaugurated. It'll be consummated in what John sees in Revelation 21 and 22. And we are new creation if we're in Christ, right? Paul writes about that in 2 Corinthians 5. It's already started in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our own neighborhoods. So that story, that hope, that's what he's talking about when he says, give a reason for the hope that's within you. It's not just, I hope, I go to a different building than the rest of y'all do on Sunday morning, and we've got these seven doctrines you need to know or you're going to go to hell. Let me give you some proof text. Try selling that. <laughs> you, you know, that that's not even a, a, an accurate full picture anyway of the hope of the Bible. That, that's somebody who doesn't really know the story. And the story is what grabs people's hearts and imaginations and emotions and whole being. Story do that in ways that little propositions don't, right? Rules. Here's a rule. Okay, great. Rules grow out of the story. It's not the other way around. So we got to know the story. Secondly, do I know who's asking? There's a certain nimbleness we need culturally, socially. Uh, we, we need to be listening to our culture, learning our culture. Uh, he, he says, and, and learning the, the people, who is it I'm talking sitting across the table from right now? Who, who today at this coffee, discussion who am i talking to because that person may have become from a different place than somebody else so you got to be multiple 
You know, you got to be willing to, uh, to flex and learn and grow as a person yourself so you know what part, Bible's a big book, what part am I going to talk about? Where am I going to lead off with? Where are they in their life? He says, make a defense to anyone who asks you. All right, that's wide open. And we see people exemplifying this in, in the gospel. We see Paul quoting pagan Greek poets at Athens and using the Hebrew language in Jerusalem at the temple. Why? Why didn't he reverse that? Because he doesn't want to alienate people right out of the gate. He still gets to the, the point about the resurrection. We've got to start where people are. And we see people in the Bible doing that all the time. Know the person who you're, who's asking for the hope within you. And then thirdly from this first lesson, I need to know my own heart. There's a reason he says here, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. All sorts of things can motivate a defense besides pure, good-hearted motives. Anybody been ever guilty? You're, you're saying one thing, really, though, there's a barb below it emotionally. You're kind of resentful. You kind of feel offended, so you kind of want to offend back. You may do it you know, shrouded in the garb of the gospel, but if your motive is some sort of warfare, interpersonal or culture war or whatever, instead of, I'm trying to bless somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's going to be a big difference. That's going to come through the cracks of your persona. You're going to, you're going to be exuding that vibe. He says, be careful to do it with gentleness and respect. And, and you need to know your own heart, whether that's the case or not. So we continue involved in introspection if we're going to be defending the gospel well. So that's lesson one. You don't even have to, you know, you just come every third lesson and I'll review it for you. I'm just kidding. That's nothing like what we talked about. That's like a lot shorter. And don't say, well, do that then. All the, all the meat is gone. Lesson two was defending the gospel in an earthly nation. We did this one on July 4th weekend when everybody's thinking about our present earthly nation. Everybody's earthly nation. Um, they all think theirs is wonderful, right? They're all praying that God will bless their nation and give it success. You know, just like we are, that's as old as the hills. Um, we're, we're social beings. We're in a polity of some sort, a city-state back in the day, nations nowadays, whatever it is. He doesn't speak these words, 1 Peter 3.15, in a vacuum either. In fact, just really quickly, he says three or four times in the letter that these Christians are exiles in the Babylon of their day. He says, we're writing to you from Babylon, and you're like exiles of the people of God, exiled in Babylonian captivity. Different gods, different power structures, different you know, dynamics socially, culturally, different mores, and so on. All of that, he says, is different from, you're in a different civilization. You're in the, the kingdom of God. Live as exiles. And he says, um, we have to be aware, 1 Peter 3.15, of who we're really fearing. Have no fear of them, verse 15, but in your thoughts, honor Christ as Lord. And then that's how you give the defense. Are we afraid to be different? Peter says we're a peculiar people by definition. Who's really your Lord? Who are you afraid? Who are you revering? The opinion, the, the, uh, the accolades, and the, the acceptance of people? Or is, is Christ the Lord? Who's functionally your, your actual Lord? All right, so that's part of it. And then thirdly, be a blessing to Babylon. It's like uh, Jeremiah 29 when the false prophet is saying, this is a complete aberration that the people of God should ever be surrounded by bad people in the culture. Sound familiar? We hear that on the news every night. When have they not been? 
And what does the Bible say to do? It says, don't react in kind. You're not going to, these people aren't your enemies. It's a better analogy would be their patients who are sick. And we're working for the great physician as nurses. There's love, there's healing. Sure, there's sickness. It doesn't mean there's not something wrong. But there's a difference in medically treating that as, a, as the great physician would and nuking it because you're at war with it. So those two things are, are being used, in my opinion, nowadays. This will not age well. We're going to look back on this day. People are going to go, Christians thought, what? That was Christian in 2000, you know, 22? We're to be seeking the shalom of the city where God has sent us. That's what God says in response to the false prophet Hananiah, who's saying the people of God are too pure and holy to be treated like this. This can't be right. We're going home soon. God says, no, 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 you're going to be there for a long time. I want you to marry there, have children, build houses, work, and, and bring the peace of God, the welfare, seek the welfare or shalom or peace of the city where I have sent you. And that's the analogy that Peter's drawing. He calls us exiles. He says, we're in Babylon. All right, that's my review. What I want to do now for the remainder of our time together is 1 Peter 3.15 before us. It's going to be on each screen. I'm going to ask some basic questions. All of these are some version of the email, but this is an all play. We got a, a, a mic that uh, Nick or, or will have, and so that anybody who's you know on our um, our YouTube private YouTube link can can hear. You know anybody who's a member here away out of town or something at home sick can hear hear you talk as well. Because it won't make much sense just hearing my questions without your answers. So first of all. <coughs> charged to to give an answer or defense to anybody who asks us about our gospel hope what would you say is at stake in, in whether we may choose to follow this and try our best to be faithful to this charge we may blow it off not think about it um, what's at stake based on our uh, our response to this Stephen Part of it could be the credibility of Christ and of God if we're to be ambassadors or lights in the world and we're to be out there proclaiming or when people talk to us, if we are acting in a negative way or not defending it properly with the right way we act and the right way we speak, then it could reflect bad on Christ and ultimately shut that person down for a long time or maybe forever from God. And that's could be on us at that point. That's an excellent point. And in response to that, just really briefly, I don't know if you've seen some of these surveys. I kind of read this stuff a lot, but like Barna Group and Pew and some of these groups that, that um, survey demographics and how they respond to certain words and concepts. People like millennial and younger, especially, not, not just them, but especially them, when, when they hear words like evangelical, Bible, Christian, becoming associated with all kinds of awful stuff that is not biblical. It's very much culture war, Christianity, very unbiblical. And so they, these are the very people who are deconstructing their faith. So we're not talking about some academic problem. This is a real thing going on right now in record numbers for our country in our history. And what's driving a lot of it is exactly what Stephen, Christianity has been misrepresented. They're not, they're not rejecting Christianity most of the time. They're rejecting some distortion of it in its name. I think that's why Peter says, you've got to be careful here. Gentleness, respect, look at your own conscience. You're a work in progress. It's one sinner talking to another, right? Great point. Who else? Uh, yeah, Lawson. Um, I think like you were saying, 
not only the credibility of, of Christ and his kingdom, but of the people in his kingdom. Because if I, if I misrepresent our beliefs, then when somebody else sees my brother, he's going to automatically, like, oh, you're a Christian? Oh, well, here's a... Exactly. And, and I guess in some parts of the world, that could be literal persecution sure. for a person just because they spread the wrong word. You know? Yeah. And First Peter talks about that, like, if you're going around, you know, doing bad stuff, you probably are going to get persecuted. Like, <laughs> that's what people do to bad people. So behave like you're, you're probably not going to, but even if you do, be willing to suffer for good. Yeah, Nick and then Mike. Michael. It's really, really convenient that I'm holding the microphone. Yes. Um, I, I mean, at the, at the very end of the day, people made in the image of God are at stake. I mean, that's, you know, that's the, the bottom line. I, I love the C.S. Lewis quote, there are no ordinary people. Yeah. Like, every single person you stumble across is either somebody being made more into the image of God or, you know, going their own way, going away from God. And, I, you know, at the end of the day, that's what's at stake is people made in the image of God. Yeah, such a good point. We're not just passing, rubbing shoulders with numbers. They're literally image of God, you know, bearers of, of, of God's image, yeah. So just recently I was presented with somebody who asked a question, you know, and so I started thinking about it and then I, I answered it with the best that I could. And, um, but then I read the other answers from the typical Christian people. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought to myself, there's no love here. It's, it's because in the typical, I don't know, we'll, we'll just say average mm -hmm. presentation, it's attacking the sinner along with the sin, mm -hmm. not attacking the sin, but looking past the sin to the person. Mm -hmm. and, and you just don't have any love in that. It's just how can we defeat them, but it's not about defeating them. It's about defeating the sin and getting closer to God and further away from sin. Great. And, and love is not a lightweight thing, Greg. Love is tougher. It's harder to love. Go to the cross is harder. Easier to have a, take a weapon out and shoot everybody. I mean, just to go to the other extreme, you know? What about letting them do, do, that to, do whatever to you and you don't even fight back in kind? That's actually way more manful and tough and whatever you want to, whatever word you want to use. Um, yeah, uh, who's, oh, Greg. Yeah, what's at stake really is the propagation of the gospel. Amen. Because, you know, we've talked about the Great Commission and how it applies to us and how we're to live in, you know, such a way that people question why we live in that way. Mm -hmm. What we're getting at here is the final stages of how to spread the gospel. Yep. Where somebody actually steps up and says, why do you live a certain way? How do you have this hope? Mm -hmm. If we stall there, we, we've stalled at, you know, the very last stages of being able to, you know, uh, introduce the gospel to somebody. Right. Excellent. Oh, we've got Michael back here, and then we're going to move on to our next question. Oh, you have something to Randy? Okay. Yeah, Michael. Michael Gill. Here it comes. I think the, uh, the question that you ask is, is really a good question. We not only need to be prepared ourselves, but we have to consider what's at stake if we're not prepared. Mm -hmm. And what's at stake is the person who asked you for a reason for the hope that you have, their soul is mm -hmm. at stake. And so that really puts it into a critical need, mm -hmm. not only for yourself to be prepared for yourself, but to be prepared to tell someone else how to be prepared. Right. Well said, yep. 
Next question. This kind of puts two of the, I think a couple of the questions I sent out in the email uh, kind of gloms them together here. But what challenges or difficulties, this is just anybody who would like to share, do you personally face in explaining or defending your faith? It could be something you've experienced or something um, you imagine you would experience. And so it's been a disincentive to do it. Yes. Uh, for me, I tend to be an introvert, mm -hmm. and there's an underwritten command here that you have already shared your hope with that person, mm -hmm. and they're asking you that question. And so for me, um, the pandemic was wonderful, you know, <laughs> yeah. for an introvert. But Amen. Anybody? I've heard Amen. Here say that. <laughs> but I look at this as a, a challenge, and that is that are people asking me that question? Right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, Marty. Yeah. Just right. a add on to that, I was thinking the exact same thing, because when you're in the world, it's so easy to be in the world and of the world, mm -hmm. and if nobody's asking you about your faith, then are you really living your faith mm -hmm. while you're in the world? It can be very difficult in this day and age, because corporations have rules, and what you can say and not say, and whatever, mm -hmm. but I mean, I was very pleased years ago when a friend of mine who I was working with asked me, you just seem so happy all the time, how do you do that? And that was a great opportunity mm -hmm. to talk about my faith. But that doesn't happen often enough. Mm -hmm. Probably because I spend so much time around my fellow Christians that they know me, but you know, are people asking you? That's a good question to ask yourself. I ask myself yeah. that all the time. Yeah. Am I really living my faith? Sure. Yeah, great, great points. Yeah, Nick? Um, to, to the point that Daniel was you know, talking about on, during the Lord's Supper mm -hmm. this morning, my doubts tend to hinder me as, <clears throat> as much as anything. I, I tend to have this ideal in front of me that I have to have sort of rock-solid reasoning for, ev for absolutely every single question mm -hmm. that somebody's going to ask me, and if I can't like sort of defend that question that I know is going to come up, then I'd back off that a little bit and say, okay, I've got to get my, I've got to get my logic and my reasoning mm -hmm. into you know perfect order before I'm ready to actually have a conversation with somebody about it. Right. Right. Daniel. Oh, Kevin, and then Daniel. Sorry, I didn't see you. Kevin, then Daniel. Um, the fact that people who uh, may not know much about Jesus, may not know much about faith, may not have much of a spiritual life themselves, mm -hmm. they are going to lump me in with the larger Christian world in America. And that's... A hurdle to get over. Mm -hmm. um, I hate the idea that that I'm. I have to. My first step has to be to apologize. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry mm -hmm. that the Christianity that you have experienced has been hurtful and angry and unloving and unaccepting and ungracious. Mm -hmm. And to try to, it's very difficult to get people to believe that the faith that I have the, in, in the Jesus that I read about in Scripture is so radically different than the one that the vast majority of the voices that they hear mm -hmm. are proclaiming. Because it makes, it makes it look like the Jesus that I read about and worship and have faith in, that I'm, I'm a fringe person. I'm not, the, I'm not a mainstream Christian I'm a fringe Christian because to the to the other person, they just lump us all together and they're trying to do their best to sift through mm 
-hmm. all of the differences. And so to them, the mainstream voice is that Jesus is mainly interested in carrying guns and uh, fighting culture wars. That's the Jesus that they know because that's the Jesus who gets proclaimed most loudly. And so to hear about a completely different kind of Jesus, I think actually makes it difficult for me to be credible. And so, which is why, and, and I apologize for, I want to get to Daniel myself, but, you know, the, if, if we zoom out of this text a little bit, mm-hmm. just zoom out a little bit further, the verses that immediately precede your text mm-hmm. for all of this, 13 through 17, is all about interpersonal relationships. It's yep. all about sympathy and brotherly love and, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so... That I think that makes it even more important that my life is one that does look different, like Randy was saying a second ago. Mm-hmm. It's really important because, because my association with Christianity in America today, not that I'm in America very much, but my association with American Christianity so today. So June, yeah, June and early July. Yeah, from June to August. Yeah. Uh, that is immediately discrediting to what I'm having to say. And so it makes it all the more important that my life, at least, Mm -hmm. is providing some amount of credibility to overcome my association with mainstream Christianity in America. Yeah. If that's making any sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I I think this fits well with what Kevin was saying, but uh, to to use the word is is hypocrisy, right? So either personal hypocrisy or hypocrisy of our, Mm -hmm. you know, Christian culture or whatever, but I actually think that, you know, to kind of answer that, I think that's why Peter here is saying, listen, we all have hypocrisy. I mean, Peter had it like front and center, right? You know, he's, he's the guy who, you know, theoretically kind of inaugurated the, uh, you know, the gospel to the Gentiles Mm -hmm. and then wouldn't eat with them, Mm -hmm. you know, at some period later. Mm -hmm. And Paul's like, dude, what are you doing? You know, so, so hypocrisy is a part of us all. and, Mm -hmm. And, Yet Peter's answer to that is, your hope's still right. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge the hypocrisy, yes. Mm-hmm. Do it with gentleness and respect. So I, I think the challenge that like psychologically we face is, is like, I'm not the right guy like, to go do this because mm-hmm. I've got this issue. Or like Nick said, I don't have this totally sorted out yet. Like I've got, I've got to have an ironclad proof right. like for, for things that ultimately are not provable. If it was provable, they wouldn't call it faith, right? They, they would, we can have reasons and we can have support, but it's not like rational, you know, A, therefore B, therefore C, therefore D, boom, nailed it. You know, like it's by faith, not by sight. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not that we're never going to arrive at that point Mm -hmm. until, you know, new creation comes. So like we need to stop setting that as the standard and say, yes, we're works in progress. Yes. We are hypocrites on some level. I will be gentle and I will show you respect and flowing out of that. We will have, be able to show our hope Mm -hmm. uh, to a, to a world that honestly has not seen Christianity probably and, and not seen Christ for what he is. Um, you know, in, in, his, in his fullest form. And doesn't see a lot of hope right now. Yeah. Hope and despair are like epic proportions, right? Yeah, Justin? Um, like, with me, like, you know, what Mr. Kevin was saying, like, a lot of people, like, hear that I'm a Christian at, like, state or something, they're like, oh, you're one of those people or something like that. And so I deal with these questions and stuff, 
but the people aren't actually interested. They're not like, oh, why do you believe this? Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. They're like almost looking for me to slip up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, 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 here, boom. And like they attack me. Right. And so, you know, I'm kind of like stuck in that spot where I'm like, should I really answer this question if he's really going to listen to it? Or yeah. like, should I just kind of like, you know, shrug it off and like live, go yeah. on? I think that's a, that's a, a tough, yeah, that's, that's part of it too. Because, you know, like there's the whole shake the dust off of your feet and go find somebody who's actually interested. And maybe just, we just pray for guidance that God will help us to be clear on that, you know? But that's, that's tough too. Let's move to our next question. Um, what are some ways we can help one another do this better? Anybody have any ideas? I have one more question after this one. So we won't hang out on this one a long time unless somebody actually has like a concrete suggestion. I mean, this is, I'm not looking for something. In, I don't know. How can we help each other? Like a lot of smart people here. Ideas? Yeah, Greg? Well, to get here, I've got to go back to the previous question. Okay. One of the difficulties and challenges, um, you know, in the workaday world is time. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you, you get past all the other things that were brought up, mm-hmm. and you say, okay, I'm going to wade out into this, and I'm going to, you know, make my defense. And if they say, yeah, that sounds interesting, I'd like to hear more about that, that can oftentimes turn into a year-long class yeah. or more. Sure. And, you know, when you're working 60 hours a week and, and you, you know, you've got things going on at church and you've got kids at home and whatnot, trying to find the time to do that mm-hmm. can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. So yeah. ways we can help one another better do this mm-hmm. is to work together. Yeah. You know, you've got a class going, don't do it by yourself if mm-hmm. you haven't got the time to do it. Bring somebody else in. So if you can't be there, there's somebody else there to cover, to help, mm-hmm. to, you know, to work off of each other mm-hmm. um, and, and sometimes it, you know that that can be helpful yeah. the downside of that can be sometimes is you feel like you're you're ganging up and overwhelming the person you're talking mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. so you've got to be careful you know about that uh, sure. as well right no good great ideas Jack Jack right here. and Don I think one of the other things that we can do to, to help uh, one another is to share our positive experiences mm-hmm. I mean it's it's one thing to You've done it, you've accomplished it, and you brought someone to Christ. You know, community groups would be a great place to do it. Just yeah. say, hey, you know, I was talking to a guy, and this was a result that was really positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the person or the people that you're speaking to will say, you know, when they're confronted with, mm-hmm. with an opportunity, may say, oh, well, brother, sister, so-and-so did this, and it worked for them. It will, you know, may it yeah. help someone down the road, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. Excellent point. Our community groups are, are could be huge in this. Not on the standpoint, like you could make the group be something like some sort of study that's non-Christian friendly. Maybe not so overt, but it's like basic, and you can invite people. But just what Jack's saying, they're just sharing. I don't know. There's something about building morale by sharing, you know, experiences, right? Just yeah, I went through that. You know, just you're not alone. That's a gr- that's a great point. Uh, Don. Um. I think one of the ways that we could, I guess, help one another is to ask these questions to ourselves, to each other mm-hmm. as believers. Each of us came to faith a different way and mm-hmm. in different reasons, different proofs or, or avenues that guided us to mm-hmm. Christ. And asking those questions of each other, like, why do you believe? What, what brought you to faith mm-hmm. would be a way to help bolster, like, your own your own testimony so that when you're asked those questions by the unbelieving world you have a you it's you've thought it out you've developed it you you've you know 
had a soundboard mm -hmm. for somebody else. And I think those conversations are, you know, the small groups are a good way of doing that. And mm -hmm. I think maybe that's not something that a lot of people do. Uh, I know only a, a very few people ever asked me, you know, what what brought you to faith? I mean, mm -hmm. what was your life like before Christ? How how did that happen? Yeah. To to give you that hope that mm -hmm. that you accepted Jesus and 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 changed your life. Sure. So I think that's a good way. Yeah. Great. Okay. Our last question is, and this is kind of pointing forward to lessons that you know, Lord willing, next week and weeks, two or three weeks after that, we're going to have some areas and. and I think Jake is going to help me with one, one lesson on this. I think Jake's here somewhere. Uh, yeah. He's in the back. Okay. Um, if his children are in, he's going to help me. Um, he may bring a lesson too in this area, but just what are some like particular, you know, specific topics or areas, maybe from your, just what you're hearing nowadays. Some of them could be ones that are been around since the book of Job. Obviously that's a big one. Suffering, you know, problem of pain that kind of thing um but are there any other areas where you feel like just in the present society uh, you know, cultural developments and that kind of thing where a defense is going to need to address that right um for instance i'll probably do one lesson on science or religion because that's still even though it's not as hot a one as it was a few years ago um it's still a thing that, that's i don't picture peter talking about that here because they don't have modern science yet they don't have the modern empirical, that's like 17th century and beyond, right? Um, I think some people try to make the Bible be talking about that sometimes, but I, I don't think that's what Peter's, he's talking about people in the Roman Empire suffering and, and being able to explain why they've got this hope in them. But we do have modern science, and that is a question people, so we can talk about that one. So there could be some things that Peter doesn't have in view specifically, but conceptually he does, because, you know, society and culture change over time. So anything you've run into that you think would be helpful to, to talk about. I'm not guaranteeing that I'm going to be able to do a sermon on each of these, but just what, what do you know here? What are you, what are you seeing? Michael, and then Nick, do you have one too? Okay. Oh, several. Okay. Well, so to avoid the whole culture war stuff, mm -hmm. you have to kind of know how to respond to a very specific question where you're really just, somebody's just shooting a dart at you uh -huh. or something to try to get, like some of the people were talking about, you got to know, well, wait a minute, look, before we talk about that, we have to talk about all these other way more important things. Then we can come back to that or some way to deal with the fact that, you know, when somebody asks you a point like question about, I don't know, like currently like abortion or something, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, they, that they want to almost goad you into some kind of typical response. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to be kind of like Jesus and you have to kind of, open with another question yeah. and go somewhere else. Reframe, reframe the issue to something that's more Bible-centric. Yeah, I think that's, how do you neutralize that so you can even get an audience sometimes? That's kind of what Justin, I think, yeah. is dealing with. People are projecting that on him. You're like, what do you got to say about that? You know, that's different than, hey, man, tell me about your hope. That's really cool. You know, very different. Same question, sort of, but different. We don't have to go very far uh, to find anybody a certain person that comes to you um, that is dealing with substance abuse. Mm -hmm. It is everywhere. If you don't see it, you are not opening your eyes. Mm -hmm. And from my experience, most people that are suffering are leaning towards that 
it's a perfect segue because that person is trying to be someone different mm -hmm. and trying to feel something different. That's why they're seeking a way, a, a worldly way to be different. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I can tell you about somebody that can make you different. Mm -hmm you're really going to be different from the inside out, not mm -hmm. the outside in. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of opportunities that are being missed because our eyes aren't open mm -hmm. to the suffering around us everywhere in all ages. Mm -hmm. And um, when you do that, you're gaining a huge blessing. When you do not do that, that work, it's not that that work's not going to be done, that that person won't be reached. You just won't be the one receiving the blessing for doing it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just sort of like continuing on what Justin was saying, because I'm the same age as him, so like I'm dealing with a lot of the same things mm -hmm. that he is. But, like, one of the particular areas that comes to my mind is how Christians interact with the LGBTQ plus movement and like how do we work with them and like do we even work at all or do we just stay separate and like that's any time I've had an opportunity to like discuss my faith with someone who's not in the faith that issue has always come up 100% it's in of the all time. the surveys too it, totally it's in every single discussion because the loudest voices in the Christian community say that's not okay but society is now saying that is okay and so that's a direct opposition so how do those two things jive together mm -hmm. and where do I stand on that issue where do other Christians stand on the issue so mm -hmm. that's just one particular area that comes to my mind about like how do I defend that how do I defend my faith in relation to that right that's great. Daniel said why don't I go ahead and fix that okay <laughs> that out real quick here a couple minutes um i would also just say kind of in general like how you how you have unity with people that you disagree on some of these big cultural things on i mean that's unity I mean, is unity within the church unity within the church okay, like yeah. you know the mark of christians there there are a handful of things that are supposed to mark christianity and unity is at the top of that list or Definitely. toward the very top of that list it is part of the gospel and so you know how do we go about being unified as a body you know certainly locally here in this church but also with with broader people who are actually professing the gospel mm -hmm. when we disagree on big cultural topics with those people and, mm -hmm. and how do we go about sorting out those disagreements and and continuing to focus on the gospel and not attach other things to the gospel but focus on the gospel and then be unified with those people. Yeah. Great point. Randy? So this gets kind of to what Kevin talked about earlier, but, you know, I, I, it's helpful for me to remember that there's nothing new. Our culture is just as messed up as it's always been. I mean, the first Christians existed in a culture that was thoroughly wicked. Mm -hmm. um, and it certainly took a lot of courage to be a Christian, a real Christian, because even by saying you were could get you killed. <coughs> but the area that is very difficult for me, kind of gets to what Kevin was saying, which is we still live in a wicked culture. We still live in a culture that calls right wrong and wrong right and all that. But 
the fact that a lot of the wrongs that are being pronounced right are by groups of people who call themselves Christians is a huge, huge thing to try to overcome. Because, like Justin was saying, and, um, and, Bra- and Braden was saying, you know, it still takes courage to call yourself a Christian because in one group, if you call yourself a Christian, they might assume that you subscribe to this whole long list of things that you don't want to be associated That's with. That's what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the other, then there's other groups of people where if you call yourself a Christian, uh, you know, you could be accused of subscribing to all kinds of things that you may or may not agree with. And so it's just, and it, again, I know mm-hmm. it's always been kind of a mixed up world, um, but to try to tease out like just years and years of cultural assumptions about what Christianity is and and like boil that down to like, no, the particulars of, of this document that fewer and fewer people, even people who call themselves Christians, even know uh, is is very, it, it feels like an insurmountable thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like how, how am I gonna really portray what, what Jesus is when there's all these people saying, no, this is what Jesus is and it's just not. Right. Well, I said last week that I'm, I'm going to stop using the word, except in a history of religion class where they're, they're talking about specific delimiters, you know, I'm going to stop using the word evangelical to describe myself, even though it wasn't my favorite word anyway, but just sometimes I would accommodatively say that because now it's freighted with so much stuff. And I don't know if you've seen those surveys, there's all the surveys about to evangelicals and how much Bible they know nowadays. It's shockingly, there's sh- there's shocking ignorance, like can't name the 12 apostles. What part was this book in the Old Testament or New Testament? It's almost become a word for, it's just a political word. The word's still there, but it's just like, um, you know, the, the meaning under it's changed. Don, and then we're going to wrap it up here. Um, so I'll, I'll first say, when I learned that you were going to be talking on a subject, I was pretty excited. And there's a few, thing, few things that you preach on that I'm excited about. But... Wait. <laughs> Did you say there are only a few things? Or, okay, we'll leave it. Well, yeah, we'll leave it I don't want to know. Because uh, I'm, I'm, uh, apologetics I'm is an area that I'm... I'm I've, you like that. I'm, v- I'm very much yeah. like that. I've been studying it you know, myself for the last right. few years. And one of the areas that I've come to learn dealing with people and just like the whole subject matter in general is that generally there are two areas or... or Two areas of, I guess, um, uh, like a, a, the wall that, that people have with, with Christianity. It's either intellectual or emotional. Mm-hmm. But underlining the vast majority, e- even with those two um, op- oppositions, it all really comes down to a sin in a person's life that they don't want to let go of. And so they try to justify their lack of belief either intellectually by raising questions about the origins of the universe or uh, life in general or, um, you know, even what the image of God is like, you know, is there more than one, you know, two genders? Uh, And then emotional, you know, the whole problem of suffering or exclusion. And until you can actually address the reason for the objection, you know, I don't know if, like, as um, Justin was talking about, people who ask these questions are looking for a gotcha. Mm-hmm. And until you can, uh, like, pinpoint, and which you can only really do by either building a relationship with that person or getting them to think about what it is that they believe 
wrongly about like the Christian faith, and mm -hmm. that requires actually having a, a back and forth conversation, like Paul talks about, with respect and gentleness. Mm -hmm. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to simply just ask them why they believe what they believe. You know, we don't actually have to, un until they, I, I guess, bring the, the real opposition to what, what Christianity is, you, know, mm -hmm. you just have to ask them why they believe right. what they do. Yep. All right, I appreciate it. We're going to wrap up right now. It's 11.15. I do appreciate it. We are going to be talking about these things uh, Making no guarantees we can address everything everybody talked about. I mean, there's whole shelves of books on apologetics or evidences, of course, and um, all kinds of new stuff that, that's coming down the pike that we've got to respond to, as many of you have uh, rightfully pointed out. But we appreciate you very much your participation today. Um, Lawson has a song, I think. Ready? And so after this song, we'll have some announcements and I think the collection. But we're really happy everybody's here today. It's been helpful and hope you'll come back to hear some of the rest of the lessons and just worship God with us.